You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Welcome to Millennium Discourses with Sajjad and Sheikh Ibrahim Skatema. Today we'll be discussing discourse number 13. If I go straight into it, testing and seeing the cracks enables you to deal with it. In this modern world, you put forward an idea that there's two assumptions in this world. There's one in charge or there is someone upstairs in charge. How does either one affect how we live? So, so I, I think um, you meant there's no one in charge or there is someone in charge. Yes. I mean, as a human being, I think one of the first things that occurs to one is the unmanageability of one's life. Um, a, a, a human life is, uh, is by definition something much bigger than one's uh, capacity to kind of account for control. And not just your life, but also the, 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 the problem of where you've been parachuted into. I mean, if you, you've been dropped in this, this huge place. And normally we don't see the huge place because we hide in the, in the walls of men. I mean, either both in our minds by repeating language to ourselves or in the walls of buildings. But, but if we give, afford ourselves the opportunity to see things as they are, if we go outside, um, and gain some perspective, particularly if you go on an elevated place, then you recognize fundamentally that you're confronted by something which is absolutely breathtakingly vast. And that in comparison, you are less than a flea. You're a dot on a dot. You're a dot on a dot on a dot. So, the, and this, this, this presents one with, with, with two problems. In all of this vast emptiness out there, how can I get what I need? How do I get provided for? And also in this vastness, because this vastness by its nature is overwhelming, how do I prevent myself from being overwhelmed? So a perfectly reasonable and, and logical kind of take on being a human being is to be in terror because it's the nature of just being a very small one confronted by that which is vast and empty. So, so how do you cope with this possibility that of being a, a small being in the face of that which is vast and empty and obviously therefore potentially immensely dangerous to you? You assume that there's, that there's a there's an intelligence behind this panorama you're looking at, which isn't just cold. It's not just, it's not just like, uh, you know, you're not just, uh, you're not just a separated sort of object to this intelligence, like a lab to a researcher in a lab, you know, or, or a rat rather to a researcher in a lab. This intelligence has an, an immediate, absolutely intimate, and benign relationship with you. This intelligence is your Rab. Your Rab who provides and your Rab who withholds. So in this prospect of immense emptiness, somehow the supper was on your table and you did eat. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the face of this, this 
this overwhelming uh, vastness, which can throw an infinite number of catastrophes at you, that any one of which could destroy you, you've stayed alive. Which basically means to say you've been provided for outside of your ingenuity, and you've had the catastrophes withheld from you outside of your ingenuity. And as Muslims, we refer to that aspect of this intelligence that sits behind the panorama of existence that you look out at. We call that Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the one who bestows and the one who withholds. The one whose mercy is one of one of bestowing and one of withholding. And so, and so uh, uh, the, 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 there are only these two ways of looking at the pro of, of dealing with the problem of being human. You either assume that there isn't an intelligence behind what you're looking at, or you assume there is. If you assume there isn't an intelligence of what you're looking, looking at, the groundwork being has to be one of terror. And then the only way people get, will get through their day-to-day -day lives is somehow anesthetizing themselves to that terror. And there are easy ways of doing it, maybe with alcohol or um, you know, other sort of intoxicants. Um, the other ways of doing this is, is just to refuse to look. So it's like a man who's walking past the precipice who has an immense fear of heights. He's at the top of the precipice. The only way he, he deals with not going into panic is by looking any other place than the precipice. So that's what non-believers do. They look at any other place than the precipice of, 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 of this, this looming catastrophe. But that doesn't mean to say the fear has gone away. So the only way to deal with the fear of being human, the necessary fear of being human, of being this flea on a flea on a flea, this on a spot on a spot is to assume that the vastness that you're looking out at is intelligent and that intelligence isn't cold and clinical, it's not abstracted. It has an absolutely directly intimate relationship with you. It provides and it withholds in your interest moment by moment. And if those two things were not true, you couldn't survive into the next Thank you, Sheikh. How do you interpret la ilaha illallah? You know, uh, Sajad Sahib, the, the, we, we can, I mean, the, 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 the obvious sort of interpretation or in, translation of the, of the term is that there's, uh, there's no God but God. Or, so if we extrapolate that, there's none worthy of worship other than the one who's worthy of worship. <clears throat> there's none significant other than the significant which basically means to say we must be careful. It means to say we must be careful what we grant significance to. Mm. You know, um, uh, you know um, the only reason why I'm wearing a hat today is because I have a, I'm wearing a hairstyle to frighten a cat um, uh, uh, to keep this in place, you see. <laughs> um, uh, so, 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 if I start suggesting that this hat somehow makes me significant, somehow makes me a member of the chosen, I'm now playing with very dangerous stuff because all of that are actually siblings of shirk. Any granting significance to anything other than Allah is actually shirk. 
Now, that doesn't mean to say that we therefore trivialize everything. We, we see everything put in front of us as, uh, uh, as being his works. You know, wherever you look is the face of Allah. There's nothing in this universe which isn't his product. So it's all his work. Otherwise, you're suggesting that there'd be more than one creator, and there isn't more than one creator. And if everything is his works, then you do him the courtesy by being respectful toward, towards what he puts in front of you and not trivializing it. But you understand that the one who owns the significance is him. And we have a, 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 a very useful uh, suggestion from the Rasul, Sayyidun, about how to deal with this courtesy. He said, first you thank the slave and then you thank the Rab. So, so, so yes, it is appropriate to be courteous, but actually the only one worthy of your, your, your sajda, the only one worthy of your, 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 your lowering is him. You're so, too. so I'd like to go if I, if I may. Please. This um, uh, uh, any sh chauvinism of any kind, where it's uh, you know uh, a national chauvinism, a linguistic chauvinism, uh, uh, you know, a cultural chauvinism, a racial chauvinism, all of these are aspects of shirk. Because all of these things are, are, are ways of, of, uh, of they're about ascribing significance to that which is not significant. It is making something worship, worthy of worship that should not, not be made worthy of worship. Yes, I beg your pardon, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to ask you. Um... You quote a, a song lyric by Chris Christopherson. Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Do we really have to get to that stage of losing everything before we're truly free? Well, um, uh, I, I guess the, 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 the horrifying answer has to be yes. I mean, um, uh, the dead are absolutely free. There's no impingements on them, and I don't think they've taken anything with them. I and mean, we can try. I mean, I suppose you can have get a whole trail of hearses to follow the or trail of uh, of trailers to follow the hearse. You know, with all of the accumulations that house and the trophy wine, the bike, and the, and the, you know all of that. So, but um, I think it stops at the. It doesn't go further. You can't take it with you. Um, so, 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 uh, so it has to be true. You are going to lose, and the the point point at which you lose, nobody has a hold over you anymore. But now, um, on this path, we understand that this is a, this is this this uh, this experience of having nothing to lose is a truly enviable experience. I mean, it's a truly enviable state. It's something we should pursue and something that we should try and try and uh, hold on to, which is one of the reasons why we seek and we pray for death before we die. Now, that is that this death before you die is a case of, of giving it all up. 
But what's very important about this is that this isn't necessarily about burning the house. I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's really about, um, it's about foregoing your requirements of the world. So if I want something from you, your ability to withhold what I want gives you power over me. Now, that doesn't mean to say I don't get the thing that I wanted in the first place. The issue is how my intent operates. You know, if, if um, so, so let's say, for instance, I construct my engagement with you completely on the basis of what is in your best interest. And I do that so unconditionally that you are moved to give me what it occurs to you that I need. I still get something and I might actually get from you the thing that I, that I needed. But the point is, I didn't take it from you. I didn't want it from you. I allowed you to give it to me. So, so this thing about giving up isn't so much about having everything taken away from you. It's about losing your dependency on this thing. You know? So, so it is, um, there's, there's a number of traditions that have a similar story about uh, uh, a poor um, fakir um, there's, there's one spoken about um, uh, Fakir in North Africa and Tunisia who went to visit a sheikh in, um, in, uh, in Spain, which is the time of Andalusia. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this Fakir was, was like really poor. I mean, he was a, uh, he was a, a fisherman and he lived off a, a fish head a day. He'd catch, well, catch one fish. He'd give everything else away to for a saraka and he'd keep the head and that's what he lived on. So he was very, he was, he was like, and, um, and then he, uh, he, he heard about this famous sheikh. So he scraped together the funds needed. He crossed into Spain and he went to Andalusia and he went walking towards the sheikh's uh, home. And as he came closer and closer to the place, he, he noticed that sort of the opulence of the property he was walking past. And he kept on asking people, you know, who's is this? And they said, no, the Sheikh al-Akbar, this is his. And you go further, he said, no, this is the Sheikh. So he got really overwhelmed. And by the time he got to the, the, the Sheikh's house, he thought, no, this can't be a Sheikh. I mean, what Sheikh would live in the middle of such grandeur and opulence? Shocking. So he was a bit disapproving when he finally got ushered into the Sheikh's uh, presence. The Sheikh obviously noticed this. And so he said to the Fakir, you know, that fish head of yours in, uh, means more to you than all of this does to me. And that's the point. The issue is, 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 is not that it should be there or shouldn't be there. The issue isn't to get rid of it. The issue is to lose your dependency on it, your need for it. And it is actually possible incrementally to do that. That really is what this journey is about. It's incrementally stripping away so that when, you, when, when death comes, you, um, uh, you, are, uh, you're, you, you are already naked. You, there already is, there's, there's, there's no clinging. You can, you, you can cheerfully skip into the grave uh, with Malika, holding Malika by the hand, and with, like your long lost friends. Yeah. Good mates. And I mean, that really is freedom. So, so uh, you, know, you know, I mean, clearly somebody who has this 
this experience, this deportment. I mean, if they, the person is in a, is in a, uh, <clears throat> is in a leadership position, mm. is the one person who doesn't get flustered when there's a catastrophe. And, you know, that, that's really those people that you want around you when there are catastrophes. So, so really the most useful people are people who can deal with catastrophes. They are people who can deal with, with absolute and catastrophic loss. And so the first thing you'd like to look for if you really want somebody, find out if you can trust somebody, is to see uh, the degree to which they, they remain unruffled when things go really bad. You know, I mean, uh, 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 you know, because that is freedom. You know, that you, you, you by definition, if you're, you're, you're not free, you're a slave, you're bound. If the world has chains on you, if the world can yank you around, if things in the world can make you lose your balance. But if nothing in the world can make you lose your balance, then there's no handholds on in your being, then you are free. You know, the, the etymology of the word manipulation comes from the Latin word manus, which means hand. Which means if you want something from somebody else, that person has handholds on you. There are handles on you that they can tweak you with and manage you with. You know? And then obviously you are bound and you're their slave. Whereas if you disavow your need for anything from them, they lose their manipulability. You lose your manipulability. They've, they've lost their handholds. The, the handles have gone. You're smooth. You are, you have no, they have no grip on you. But that surely is freedom. It reminds me, my <clears throat> uncle passed away a few hours ago, and <clears throat> I was having second thoughts of doing the session today. Mm. And my inner being was, this has to be done. Mm. Even if we record one. <laughs> Mm. Well, even if we have a conversation, this needs to happen. So thank you for sharing that here. Why do you think Allah brings us misery? Is it to show us our cracks, you know, our weaknesses, what we're made of? So, I, I, I mean, I think the first thing to recognize is that no matter how wealthy we are or how privileged we claim to be, this thing that we don't we don't we don't evade this thing misery you know i mean um um i i've uh, commercially i've conducted the uh, personal excellence program for many years and uh this is normally like an extended five-day retreat mm. and I, I don't really do that anymore but um, um i've uh, what i found in these is people get to really talk about their lives and the first thing that is apparent in these programs is there's no such thing as a human being who hasn't suffered. You know? I mean, you scratch a human being and you'll find heartache. And, there's, um, uh, um, and, and it's amazing what we can, uh, what we suffer from. I mean, I've actually met privileged people who suffer from their privilege. The, pri the privilege turns out in the fullness of time, not to have been a boon, it's proved to be a curse. You know, so whatever the condition are, is that we're in, we will suffer that condition, you know. So I do think that misery and suffering is, um, is, uh, is, is uh, it's part of the human condition. 
you know, even the Rasul had had times of difficulty and times of hardship. Um, he had tried times of immense hardship in his life. I mean, there's no such thing as a human being who is not going to face hardship. So I think hardship and uh, is um, is is our ally for a number of reasons. The first thing, this relates to the, the conversation, the point we've just made. The first thing that hardship does for you is it allows you to it allows you to discover what your conditional motive is. So we've already said, you know, I am manipulable by the world based on what I want from the world. You know, let's assume I'm such a privileged person that you know we have very spoiled piece of people that that the world always delivers exactly what I want at that particular point in time. You know, I just have to squeak and my need is 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 is, is sort of so it's kind of answered. Um, uh, you know, like an infant. I mean, that that's sort of like just. Sort of, now, uh, I mean, it would be a wonderful way to live for uh, maybe an hour, but, uh, you know, the, 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 how, how are you going to discover where your cracks are unless you, you, you don't suffer the, the, the lack? So, so, for instance, how am I going to know uh, what my conditional motive if the world always dies. So I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but did we speak about this story of Sheikh Muhammad Habib and the wife? But I'll repeat it anyhow, because it's one of my favorite stories. And it really sort of talks about what this path is about. There's a, there's a story of all of these, but there's a story who is... Um, once by a, a murid who was complaining about his wife, as, as we should, and we, you know, oh, Sheikh, you know, this, this woman I married, such a terrible person. You know, I mean, my, my mother came to visit last week, and you know what she cooked for her? And, you know, um, I had some guests the other day, and she literally deliberately burnt the food. And she was so rude to my brother the day before. The guy just unpacked. I mean, it was just cathartic, this miserable experience of being married to this woman from hell. And so the sheikh listened for a while, you know, um, patiently. And then finally he got lost to these patients. He says, listen, shut up. Uh, and the Murid said, why? He said, look, you clearly don't understand the purpose of a spouse. The Murid said, well, sheikh, what do you mean? He says, you know, the, the relationship between a person and their spouse is like the relationship between water and a vessel. It is the nature of the water to find where the cracks in the vessel are. It is poor adab for the vessel to complain. The water finds the cracks. So the implication of this is that when you experience discomfort, where, the, where life burns you, it's not an accusation against life. It's, this is where your lesions are. This is where your cracks are. And how are you going to be able to work on the cracks if the water somehow sort of decides to sidestep them. Oh, no, 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 he's hurt there. Don't, don't, don't go there. He senses if you want to become free, the most useful to suffer the burning. 
so that you can you can then because this gives you the architecture of your conditional motive you understand the structure of your conditional motive you can then start doing the work i can only forego something when i realize that i have it as a need in the first place if i don't even recognize that it is a need how can i forego it you know so so I, it's very important for you not to for to for you to treat me with respect you know don't demean me please now i don't know this or the is that when people aren't respectful, I get across. Now, how do, I, how, how do I propose to find out that, that I have this immense need for being respected if people always treat me with respect? It's not going to happen. So I can only transcend my need for your respect by you behaving rudely towards me. Because that is, then, 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 then at least I have the discomfort. And then I can do one of two things with that discomfort. I can accuse you for you being disrespectful which is what we normally do, or I can do the more interesting work and say, well, you know, you know, why on earth is it so important that you should respect me? Has the sun still come up in the east? You know, did I still have my dinner? Actually, you know, is it really that significant that you should have a high opinion of me? You know, so, and so I forego your good opinion of me. Then you can behave as you like. Bismillah. Thank you for that. And inshallah, thank you for joining us. And Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etzko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz from us all.